Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here today on this beautiful Lord's Day. And what a beautiful day it is. If you would please be standing and joining as we sing our, and praise our, song, praise our Lord through song. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations trembled at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Him. Who has felt the nails upon His hand, bearing all the guilt of sinful man? God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen from to reign. Behold our God, seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare, come let us adore him. You will reign forever, you will reign forever, you Seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Behold a king, nothing can compare. Come let us adore him. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. I cast my mind to Calvary and... <laughs> Here we go. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds 
his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed, my heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Then on the third at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again, or trampled death. Where is your sting? The angels roll for Christ the King. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. We shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on jesus face oh praise the name of the lord our god <coughs> forevermore for endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. O praise the name of the Lord our God. O praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. O Lord, O Lord our God, O Lord, O Lord our God. Go ahead and be seated. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great 
is a God. Sing with me how great is a God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands. And time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Irwin Church of Christ. Uh, what a morning it is. The beautiful sunshine shining through the windows. It's not freezing cold. That's always a, a plus. And it's good to be here with you guys. Um, if you look at the seat back in front of you, there are some white attendance cards, as always. Uh, please fill those out. We'll have our young guys come around here in a little bit, whether you're a, a member or a visitor. Uh, please fill one of those out. And to our visitors, uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Glad to have you here. Uh, one announcement I want to make is uh, to be praying for Eric Thornton and his family. Um, Eric's 95-year-old grandfather, Elvis Thornton, passed away last night uh, due to a complication after emergency, emergency surgery uh, that was performed after he fell and broke his hip on Friday. Um, Eric's grandmother's name is Laverne. And they have been married over 73 years. So please be praying for Laverne. Be praying for Eric and his family. And um, be with them. There will be a chapel class this evening at 5 o'clock. And the rest of the stuff, if you'll peek through the bulletin, peek through the app, um, you'll see there's a number of other things coming up this month and in the future. And uh, I encourage you to take a look at that. Pretty much everything is covered in there. And um, I just want to say happy 2024. Uh, we've officially made it. It's weird whenever you go to write the date and there's a different number on the end. Uh, but we made it to 2024, which is crazy. But as we turn to this new chapter, as we turn the calendar over, uh, I want to encourage you guys with these words. These are the words of Jesus. And they're not some magic spell that makes everything perfect or okay. Uh, but they're words that we can trust and they're words that we can find Hope in. 
This is coming from Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here to start this new year. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come here today to worship you, to recognize your great power and strength. We acknowledge that you are holy and perfect in every way. You know our hearts and see deep inside our souls. We want to honor and praise you, O God, because you have made us. You have created a path for us to be with you by the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you so much for that sacrifice because so often we fall short of what you would want us to be. Father, we thank you for the many families that are here at West Irwin. We ask that each parent here will take seriously their responsibility of being the spiritual leader of their families and be good examples. Help them to be encouraging, nurturing, and supportive of their children. And Father, be with all the children of these families. We pray that their faith will grow and mature so that one day they will be servants of yours. Holy God, many of our families are having health issues and suffering from loss of family members. Today, we ask you to be with Fred Williams who has been forced to have some difficult medical procedures. Pray that you'd be with Tommy Brown as he is having heart issues. Father, be with Ralph Henderson's family in his passing. Be with Donnie Carnathan's. Father, we pray that you'd be with Stan Clark as he is in rehab. Be with Willa Wicks and Anna Sons, Anna Nunn's nephew, Scott English. Father, give them all your healing, peace, and comfort. As we continue to worship today, Father, we ask that you help us to concentrate on you. Bless us to be able to maximize the abilities you have given each of us so that we can use them to effectively serve you. Help us to have the self-discipline to do those things we should do 
to not do things that we should not do and the wisdom we need to make the right decisions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. time for me the first day of the week and partaking the Lord's Supper but I wanted to read something that was put on my heart the first day I went back to work of the new year I you always have thoughts about what you're going to say but the Lord put this in front of me it's a song called Man on the Middle Cross written by Rit and sung by Rit Walker Heard a preacher talking about three cross, three wood crosses upon a hill, everyone to see. Two sinners on the outside couldn't save themselves if they tried. I could, t- I could think this man, all I could think is this man sounds like me. I've been on the left full of guilt and regret, long gone on the wrong side of living. I've been one on the right side, always looking for a fight, thinking I'd never be forgiving. I'm standing here today, overwhelmed with grace. I know who paid the price, paid the cost. Thank God for the man on the middle cross. He didn't have to do it, but he did it for me. It went through it. He went through it. I love that I'll never understand. Lord knows I didn't deserve it, and I know I couldn't earn it. Mercy rained down on this desperate man. The cross is where he went, but it's not where he stayed. He brought me back to life when he rose out of that grave. I'll worship and adore him for the life forever changed. We're in the sanctuary. Doors are closed. This is our time of solace. The world is shut out. Understand that we're all the man or woman on the left and the right of that cross. No one man could have given his own child to be crucified on that cross but the Lord Almighty and his Father God. So as we partake of the bread, 
the broken body of Christ, beaten beyond recognition as he carried his own cross to Calvary. Think about that as we go to our Father in prayer. Father, we're just so humbled that you sent your Son to pay the price for our sins, knowing that we can never earn it, that it was given freely. We're thankful for the blessings and the opportunity you've given us to live in this country to partake in a manner that's pleasing in thy sight and without harm. We're just thankful for your Son and all this we ask in his name. Amen. We're thankful for the opportunity once again to partake of the cup that is a symbol of your son's shed blood that continually covers us. We're thankful for that and all the things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.
separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, there's a time set, up, set aside to give back to the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we're just thankful for this opportunity that you've given us to give back a portion of what you've so graciously blessed us with. We're just thankful for the opportunity. We're thankful for the country you've blessed us with. And also we ask in Christ's name, amen. standing as we get ready to sing Mighty to Save before Bill's lesson today. Also, please be passing your cards to the inside aisle, and we'll have some young men pick those up at this time. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing.
This month we're having uh, North Tenaha, actually, our, our brothers and sisters at the North Tenaha Church are hosting the Texas State Lectureship. It's an annual thing amongst uh, predominantly African-American churches of Christ here in the state of Texas. I've been asked to speak one of those days. It's later on this month, but there's also uh, there's a note about that in your bulletin and on the app, but there's uh, also a Saturday coming up that is, in a couple of weeks, that is a song fest on a Saturday afternoon, evening, and the next night on Sunday evening, I think it's the 21st, uh, there's a joint worship uh, planned uh, as this, the uh, lectureship begins the next day. So I want to encourage everyone that can to uh, take part in those two events, especially on uh, Saturday and Sunday. I believe that's the 20th and 21st of January. I know there's a lot of activities going on, a lot of things happening uh, but that'll be a great opportunity to join with our brothers and sisters in some wonderful and inspiring uh, worship of our God uh, in song. And I can, I do want to say one other thing. I have one copy left of the Daily Bible in Chronological Order. It's what I'm using in my Facebook studies. It's a great, great tool, the best I've ever found, for reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, as Eric said, it is the first Sunday of the year, and so you're not very far behind and, uh, and so if you want to get one of those, I have uh, two on order. One is called for, uh, there's one left. After I, after I uh, pass this one along to someone, then you will be on your own. And you, you are big enough to buy your own Bible. I get that. <laughs> but if your convenience, if that's what you're looking for, then I will have one uh, later on this week. This morning I begin a new series, and I want to begin it with this question. Do we have to delete the church in order to connect to the culture? I've titled this survey, this series, Connecting with the Culture Without Deleting the Church. And so I guess what I want to start with is ask, is, is that even possible? Do you, do you think it's possible? Because I'm not sure that some of us think that. I think for some of us, and I know I've found myself thinking this at times, it, it's an option. We can either connect with the culture, or we can connect with the church. But you can't do both. That's where our culture has gone. And I'm here to tell you today that I do not believe that's true. I don't believe that's true. For a lot of reasons, not the least of which is this is not the first generation since the history of humanity that the culture was far away from the people of God and the will of God. We think that sometimes. I was talking with someone yesterday at the, the marvelous uh, memorial service to our brother uh, Ralph Henderson. I know Barbara and her family are probably watching as Ralph and Barbara did week after week after week as he's been bedridden for two years but wonderful things that the family said about him and about Barbara. And, and uh, we were talking about this. I was talking about this with someone yesterday. Just, just saying, you know, it seems like that's where we are. That we feel like this is the only time in history where things have been this bad. They've never been like this before. God's people have never been in trouble. They've never suffered. There's never been a culture that is empowered that uh, looks down upon the church. And we get ourselves so locked into today and our day and time that we forget that God is eternal. 
and that humanity has been around a while, and that there are other places in the world, actually even today, that have it far worse than we do. And certainly there have been civilizations and and cultures before Christ with the people of God and since Christ with the church that have had struggles in their world, in their culture. And yet, and yet, they answered the call and sought to connect with that culture without deleting the church, without deleting the word and will of God. Now, I'm here to tell you that's hard. That's hard. And there are times when I don't do it very well. And I think that's true of all of us. We sell out to one or the other. We sell out so desperately to the church and cling to that so much that we kiss the culture goodbye. We talked about Jonah and some of our Bible classes this morning and how God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, your enemies, and preach to them that 40 days is all they have left unless they repent. And Jonah went the other way. And the reason he went the other way is not because he was afraid. It's because he knew his God. He didn't want to go there and preach to his enemies and watch them repent and watch the God that he knew that would do exactly what he expected and forgive them. (laughs) He had written off his culture so desperately and had centered himself so much on his own people That he didn't care if they were saved or lost. In fact, he wanted them to be lost. And when they repented and God forgave them, he sat there and pouted. And tapped his foot waiting for God to take his life. That's how mad he was. You know, one of the most celebrated verses, one of the most memorized verses, probably the most memorized verse of Scripture still is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he said, you know, you people are so far away from my will that I'm going to delete you all and disconnect completely. (laughs) Is that what we think sometimes? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Nor does it say, for God so loved the world that he gave up on this gospel mission and the church and said just... Don't worry about it. Just go and live any way you want to live. John 3.16 doesn't say that either. But what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He sent his son into the world. Not to become the world. Not to delete the father's will. But to actually do the father's will in the midst of that world. That he knew would reject it. And they killed him for it. He was on that middle cross. Jim, what a marvelous, marvelous communion thought today. The father knew that would happen when he sent his son into the world. And yet he did it. Why? Because what he wanted to do was to connect to the culture. To connect to the people he created to connect to us without deleting his will. And now he calls on us to do the same. John 17, Jesus is praying for us and he's praying for his disciples and he says, I'm not not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm sending them into the world just like you sent me. And I want you to sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth and that's what we'll talk about next week. Do we have to delete the church in order to connect to the culture? 
I think not. That's not what God did. That's not what Christ did. That's not what the first century Christians did in the midst of the most severe persecution you can imagine. And it only got worse in the next two or three hundred years. And yet they continued. To connect with the culture, we must connect them with the way. We must connect them with the way. And our hearts go out to our young families as our shepherd, uh, Brother Ken, led us in that prayer earlier, praying for them as they try to connect their kids, connect with their kids, and then connect their kids with the way, with the Lord. Even though they're raising them and, and teaching them in this environment today that is, that is antagonistic to the values they're trying to give them, that we're all trying to give them. And they're certainly not going to disconnect from their children. (laughs) Nor, the reason they're here is because they're not going to delete the church. So how do you you manage that? How do you do that? And, And how can we encourage each other to faithfully do that? Our ultimate calling and goal is to connect ourselves and others with Christ. That's really what it's all about. What does that mean? What does it mean to connect with Jesus and Am I connected to Jesus? Is a question we all need to be asking ourselves. Those are pretty fair questions to ask before we go to those around us with a message we may not be really sure of ourselves. Am I connected to Christ? That's probably a good question to ask before I go talking to my friends or my coworkers or my fellow students or my neighbors, my relatives, and say, I want you to connect with Christ. It's probably good for us to ask that question. Am I? Am I connected with Christ? And that starts from inside. Last week in Eric's message, he said revival. He talked about revival. And revival starts with God working inside of us. And then it goes out. And not the other way around. And I think that's exactly right. We must start here before we can talk about connecting to the culture. We must start with ourselves. And ask ourselves, what does it mean to connect with Christ. What does it mean to connect with the way? So a few issues about that. First of all, what is the way? <laughs> what is the way? And I want you to know that I'm, these first few lessons today, next week, and the following week are centered on John 14, verse 6. And we sang it in one of those songs that Kelly led that had a verse that spoke about these three things, and you probably caught it. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Next week, we'll talk about how Jesus is the truth and what that means for us. And look back at the Bible and ask ourselves, is that still relevant today, in today's culture? On the 21st, on the National Sanctity of Life Sunday... We'll talk about Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. Today it's what is the way. I am the way. As Tucker shared from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus imploring his followers, trust me, trust God. The birds trust him, the, uh, the flowers trust him, and you mean so much more to him, trust him. He's going to be there for you. That's a part of what it means Connecting with the way. 
connecting with Jesus as the way. It affects every single day that we live. He doesn't take all of the troubles away. He doesn't take all of the worries away. He just says, I'm there with you in the midst of it. And you can count on that. Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep in John 10. I am the good shepherd also. But he says, I'm the gate. I'm the door that the sheep need to walk through. And in Acts 4, when... Peter and John were arrested and they were told, don't you preach anymore in the name of Jesus? They said, we have to. Don't you know that he is the only way salvation is found in no one else? No other name but the name of Jesus. You see, the way is Jesus. What does it mean when you talk about connecting with the way? You're talking about connecting with Jesus because he is the way. And he's the only way. You can learn a lot about how to live life well. You can learn a lot about how to, how to raise a, a family well, how to have a good marriage, how to be successful in business. A, a lot of things that are valuable and helpful, and I urge you to check into all of those out there. But the only place you can find salvation is here. The only one that you can go to and say, forgive me is the one on that middle cross. The way is Jesus. And he's the only way. So how do you connect with Jesus, the way? You connect with him through the gospel. Through the gospel. You see, only Jesus is mighty to save, as we say. He's the only one that can do that. You can get a lot of helpful information and encouragement... And direction from a lot of other sources. But if you're talking about salvation, there's only one who is mighty to save. And that one is Jesus. The way is Jesus. And you connect with Jesus the way through the gospel. So that leads us to the second question. What is the gospel? (laughs) That's a great question, actually. And I think sometimes we get confused about it because I think sometimes we confuse the gospel with the response to the gospel. And those are not the same. Those are not the same. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 has that wonderful passage, that wonderful chapter, that whole chapter about the resurrection and and helping us to remember and to believe that the resurrection is real and that, that it happened. Jesus was raised from the grave and that the tomb is empty. And that's what gives us our mission and our purpose. And it's what makes all of this worthwhile. But he begins by defining the gospel. This is what it is. This is the core. This is what everything else afterwards is based on. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. Verse 3. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, And that he appeared to Peter or Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he talks about the other appearances. And last of all, he lists himself on that road to Damascus. What is the gospel? It is the death, 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Perhaps you know that that's the literal definition of the word gospel. Good news. Good news. What is that good news? It's that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried that he was raised from the dead on the third day, that the tomb is empty, and that there are people that saw him and testified to it. We read about those great things at the end of each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We read about it in that passage in John 3 that I mentioned earlier, in John three sixteen. but in the verses surrounding it, it reminds us that Jesus came to save. And he came to be lifted up on the cross for our sins. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll preach it anywhere, even in the capital of the empire. He goes on to talk about that in those first several chapters of Romans, including chapter 5, where he says, it is while we were still sinners that Christ died for us, and that's the ultimate definition and demonstration of love. So don't go thinking that you're too much of a sinner. Don't go thinking that you're too far away. Because Scripture affirms that that's exactly why Jesus did it. Because we were far away. And He was the way back to the Father. The gospel is the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is the man on the middle cross. Didn't deserve to be there. And was there for you and for me. That's good news. Because like those two on either side of him, we couldn't save ourselves. And we deserve to die. And yet Jesus took our place. That is the gospel. The good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So how do you connect with the gospel? Well, you do that through the response of faith. And that leads us to point number three. The first question, what is the way? The way is Jesus. The second, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The third, what must I do? Okay, so if I believe this, if I accept this, what, what, what do I do? Does it mean that since Jesus died on the cross, everybody is saved no matter what? Whether you believe in that or not, whether you accept His will or not, whether you live a selfish life only doing what you want to do, no matter what God's Word says? Is that the case? And if that's not the case, and I don't think that any of us would believe that that's the case, then there must be something that we do to be included in that group whose sins are washed by the blood of the Lamb crucified on the cross. So what is that? What is the response of faith to the gospel of Christ? What must I do? Interestingly enough, that exact question is asked several times in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. The response of faith is simply this, to believe, to repent, to confess, and to be baptized. That is the response of faith according to Scripture. None of that would matter If Jesus hadn't died on the cross. None of that would matter. We could believe what we wanted to believe. We could change our lives every day. We could confess him to everyone, everywhere, every day. We could be baptized every day, multiple times a day. And it just 
wouldn't matter. Because the power is in the gospel. The power is in the one on the middle cross. The power is in the empty tomb. The gospel is the power and that power is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But because of that, now there is an answer to the question, what must I do? And the answer is to believe in that one who died for us and was raised from the dead and is coming again. To repent of our sins, just a long word that means change, to change our path. Not to be perfect, but to get on a path that is pointed towards Christ. To confess that to others so that they'll know that this is what's in our heart, that we're not just doing this for show, and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the one on the middle cross. The one and the only one whose tomb is empty. Why do you say that, Bill? Well, there's a whole bunch of scriptures on your outline for that. We see that question being asked in Acts 2. Less than two months after Jesus was killed and was resurrected, on the weekend of Passover, 50 days later is the weekend of Pentecost, and on that Sunday they heard the gospel of, for the first time in the name of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And when they heard that they had killed the Son of God, they were pierced, cut to their hearts, and they asked, what do we do? What do we do? In Acts chapter 16, Paul is talking to a man by the name of uh, uh, in, in, uh, a, a jailer in, uh, in Philippi. And he's talking to him, and the man has just realized that Paul and Silas, these men who had been beaten unmercifully and unjustly, had been sp- spending the night singing praises to this God of theirs, and then this God delivers them, and yet they don't go anywhere because they're concerned about him. And he asked, falls at their feet and asks, what must I do? What must I do? In Acts chapter 8, there's an, an official from Ethiopia who had been in Jerusalem worshiping and was reading from the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, and didn't understand it. And asked, what, what's this talking about? And Philip was there. In Acts 9, and Acts 22, and in Acts 26, we read the story of Saul of Tarsus, who had become Paul the Apostle, coming face to face with this Jesus whom he was trying to persecute and destroy, realizing that he really was who he said he was. And he asked the same question, what do I do? What do I do? We see that question asked and answered in all of those contexts and in others. To the Philippian jailer, Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved in all your household. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, then they went home and he taught him the gospel. He preached the gospel message to him and to all of his family. And all of his family were baptized that same hour of the night. Why? Because that's part of the response of faith. Believe. And then later he was baptized. In Acts chapter 2, when they said, what do we do? We just crucified the long-awaited Messiah. The answer came back, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian was talking to Philip as they were riding along, and 
And he said, who's he talking about in Isaiah 53, himself or somebody else? And, and Philip shared with him the gospel of Christ. And as they came along, the, the, the Ethiopian said, hey, here's some water. You've been talking about baptism. Man, I'm ready. A- am I not ready? And Philip says, well, do you believe? And he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he says, you're ready, man. <laughs> Let's go. And he responded to the answer to his questions. Saul of Tarsus was told after being in Damascus, the city where he had gone to persecute the church, instead meeting Jesus face to face on the way and being blinded at the sight, being led by the hand into the city, praying and fasting for three days. Did he believe? Oh, he absolutely believed. Did he repent? He surely did. Was he confessing? Obviously so. But a Christian man by the name of Ananias was told by Jesus, I want you to go to him and answer his question. He asked me on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, what do I do? And Jesus said, I want you, Ananias, to go to him and answer his question. In Acts 22, verse 16, Ananias gave him that answer. He said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away calling on the name of the Lord. How do you wash your sins away? Well, because Jesus died, you respond in faith. How do you call on the name of the Lord? Some people say, oh, well, the Bible says all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And that's right. And just like Saul of Tarsus, that means believing in him, turning away from our lives of sin, confessing his name and being baptized to wash our sins away. So many other examples in those scriptures that you find there. This evening and next Sunday evening at 5 p.m. in our reflections class in the office classroom across the parking lot, we're going to be discussing this response of faith a little bit more in depth and doing a deeper dive into the significance of Christian baptism. To connect with our culture without deleting the church then will require this. It will require speaking the truth in love. That's the passage in Ephesians 4, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. And we've got to do all three. There's not a single one of those that's optional if we're going to connect to the culture without deleting the church. We must speak to them. We're called to be around them. We're sent in their midst to be around them. And so we speak. But what is it we speak? We speak the truth. We'll talk about that next time. And we speak the truth in love. I want to emphasize three things as we go through this series. And they're simply this. Speaking the truth in love means speaking with clarity, with conviction, and with compassion. It means speaking with clarity. So that they will understand we speak the language of our culture because it's our culture. But we try to be clear in what we share with them because this message is clear. We can discuss it, but it's clear. And so we speak to them with clarity. We speak to them with, compa- with conviction, speaking the truth. It must be the truth. It may not be popular. We may pay a price. But we must speak and live the truth. We must do that clearly with clarity, but we must do it with conviction. This is what I believe This is what God's Word teaches. 
Jesus is the only way. In spite of what our culture might say, we speak with clarity, we speak with conviction, and we speak with compassion, speaking the truth in love. At no time should those people, even though they highly disagree with our message, should at no time should they feel that we do not love them, that we do not care about them. And if we've given them that impression, then we are the ones who need to repent. It doesn't mean we go soft on the message at all. It means we speak the truth in love. We speak with clarity. We speak with conviction. And we speak with compassion. Connecting with Jesus as the way connects us with the Father. Again, going back to John 14. One of his apostles said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be good enough for us. And he says, Philip, have I been with you so long and you still don't get it? If you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. And the only person that could say that is Jesus. Because Jesus is the way. As we call ourselves to connect with the culture without deleting the church, let me ask you this question and end here. Are you connected with Jesus the way? Have you responded in faith to the gospel of Christ? It's wonderful news that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that the tomb is empty. Now so what? Have you accepted that gospel as your own and called on that man who shed his blood on the middle cross to let that blood wash your sins away? And the response of faith in Christian baptism. Are you connected with Jesus the way? Only Jesus is mighty to save. Only Jesus can create in you a clean heart. Only Jesus can renew a right spirit within you. David knew it in Psalm 51 where this great song comes from. If you know it today and you need to respond in faith, we would love to help you do that. Come as we stand and sing this great song together.
beautiful, beautiful Lord's Day. And thank you, Bill, for reminding us that there is only one way. If you would, please, we're going to be singing one more song, and then we'll have our closing prayer. I'm going to ask you that you, just as the song says, we shout to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like welcomed by the warm, smiling face of a box of donuts. A table full of them, too. I didn't know this is what getting older feels like. But to the ministry, we are very thankful for that. They did not go unnoticed. But more importantly, we're thankful for everybody here today. Visitors, you do not go unnoticed here. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Dear Lord, We have a lot to be thankful for in life. We're thankful for your son who died on the cross, saving us from our sins. And we are thankful for the opportunity of tomorrow. Dear Lord, I pray that you continue to forgive us of our sins and give us a safe rest of the week. In these things I pray, amen.